Hi, this is Jean-Jacques Taylor, and you're listening to Jock Talk. This is a podcast where I talk about the Cowboys, the team I've covered as a beat writer, columnist, TV insider, and radio host for 28 years. I'll also talk about the NFL and the things I love, working out, streaming, food, and all things Dallas. My boy, Big Joe and the Big Rig, one of my oldest friends, produces the show and chimes in often with his thoughts on the Cowboys. After all, he's a lifelong Cowboys fan, and he played high school, college, and semi-pro football. Welcome to Jock Talk, where sports is fluid. What's true today might not be true an hour, a day, or a month from now. I'm going to give you the truth straight. No chaser. I'm glad to have you guys aboard. Let's get it. This is the debut episode of Jock Talk. It's the baby, that's what I like to call it, from Jam Session, the show I did with Matt McLaren, who's now on the ticket. And uh, we did it for four years, I think, after our radio show at ESPN uh, went belly up. Had a great time with Jam Session. Matt's off at the ticket doing great things with Donovan Lewis on uh, the midday show from 10 to 1. And now I'm doing this show. Uh, we're going to talk a whole lot about the Cowboys, so ain't nothing changed in that regard. Uh, we're also going to talk about all the stuff I love. You'll get all the things that you guys loved on Jam Session that I provided. Even have some beer talk from time to time, because I'll tell you right now why I got a fridge full of stouts. We'll have to get into that one day. Um, let me tell you a little bit about Big Joe. In the big rig. He's a friend of mine for more than 30 years. Now, here's what's interesting about Joe. Aside from he's a football savant and a Madden savant, and if any of y'all want to challenge him, I'll, I'll let him tell you whether he wants to get down like that these days. He used to take on all comers, but in his old age, he may have retired from that. But we'll, we'll get into that in a minute. Here's how me and Joe met. We got a mutual friend named Chris. Chris used to work at the Dallas Morning News. Chris is now a reporter covering the Dolphins in Miami. Well, Chris called me one day and said, hey, man, you I got a friend you need to meet. Y'all are the only guys I know who play video games all the damn time. He said, his name is Joe. Here's his number. So I called him. I said, hey, man, and I was filling him out. And uh, bottom line is, uh, I said, so what you doing? Because, you know, at this time I'm, I'm married, but I got no kids. And so I got a lot of free time. And so he said, I'm nothing. I said, what you think if I roll through? He said, all right, come on. So he lived in Arlington. So I drove from downtown Dallas to Arlington. Now, the cool thing was at that particular time, I was living in Euless. So Arlington and Euless, not that far apart. And so I pulled up and um, he asked me, hey, what team? He was a, he was a gentleman now because he asked me what team you want. I said, I'm going to take the Rams, man. I like Flipper Anderson. I like that wait, offense. Wait, wait, wait. You got to tell it right. That's not what okay. That's tell not, it right then, though. That's not what happened. What happened? That's how. That's how I remember. I mean, well, it was Chris, some years ago. Chris called me and he said, "I got a friend named Jacques that says he plays a lot of Madden. He thinks he can hang with you." And I said, "Okay, send him over." The phone call. We didn't have a phone call beforehand, so I'm. I'm like, well, how did I get your address? Wait, Chris gave you the address. You came. You. I gave the address to Chris. I'm going to get to that. Chris gave okay. Chris gave you the address. And Chris said, I got a friend of mine named Jacques coming over. So I said, all right, cool. So I waited for you to come by. And um, you called me and said you was, you was, you know, you called me and said you was on your way. So when I opened the door and I looked, wait a minute, this dude named Jacques, but he black. <laughs> Interesting. I was. I was, I don't know. Maybe I was expecting a Frenchman, or 
I don't let, know. Let me tell y'all something. I ain't never heard this version of the story. Yeah, I was, I was, I was expecting maybe somebody Caucasian or a Frenchman or something, and it was you. Right. All right. Cool. Come on in. How you doing? What's going on? And we got to talking, and now you can go with the the the, the Flipper Anderson and all of that stuff. So I picked the Rams and Flipper Anderson because I used to like to run the wide receiver reverse, I think. Now, who'd you end up playing with? I can't remember. I just remember I kicked your ass. That's why I remember. But I, Okay. I remember the final score was 55 to 3. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I remember. And so I left. And on the way home, I was like, this 12-letter cuss word, he just caught me on a bad day. I'm yeah. going to go home and practice. I'm going to come back and whip his ass. Yeah. And I remember Joe telling me years later, like, dog, when you left, I thought I'd never see you again. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and instead, again, I didn't have no kids at the time. Yeah. And so I was footloose and fancy free and I had a lot of free time. And I probably came over to either the next, a few days later. But I remember at a while, I used to show up on Saturday morning as his wife was headed out the door to work. Yeah. And I'd be there when she got back from work, uh, having played video games all day. Yeah, I was at Fort Hood at the time and I came home for the weekend. So you was you was part of, you you became part of my weekend. Mia would go to work, <laughs> my wife would go to work, and then you would come on by. And the and the crazy part was, you know, we, we would play her whole eight hour shift. Yeah. Order yeah. usually order a pizza seemed like around lunchtime. Yep. Yep. And then when she came home, I get, I'd be like, well, I guess I've been here long enough. I'll holler at you. Yeah. Uh, and I don't know how long it took for me to win because I had to get rid of the Rams. They didn't, I found out that to beat Joe, I had to have a certain kind of team. I needed a tight end because if I tried to throw to the wide receivers, he would sack me before I could throw the ball. And I needed a good running game so I could have manageable third downs so I could throw the ball to the tight end so I could sustain drives. And I don't know how long it took me to win. But I remember I had the 72 Dolphins with Zonka and Mercury Morris and Kick and Warfield. And it seemed like I won the, I beat you that day. So I know Maybe you had the Broncos going. or something. I don't know. All I know is I jumped up and ran around the apartment and picked up my stuff and ran out the door. You like rematch? I was like, F you. There's no rematch. <laughs> you going to live with this bitch for a minute. <laughs> I'm gone. And I was like, yeah. I, I was yeah. like, I'll holler at you later, dog. Yeah. I'm going to enjoy this one. I knew that, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You won and left. Yep. Yeah. No class, but I did not care. That's a true uh, jackass move right there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's where we had. That's where we that's where we came up with the, with the rule that you can't. You you owe somebody a rematch if you win. You can't win and just leave. That was the rule. I think that rule only applied to me because when you, if I had waited to beat you, it, I'd have been there for another two or three days. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, but uh, but that's how the relationship started thirty yeah. some years ago. Yeah, lifelong friendship. Yeah. Still going strong. Yeah. And uh, when uh, when I had a chance to uh, do a podcast because I knew I was going to do one after Matt left. It was just a matter of how long before I could get it cranked up and up and running. Uh, I talked to Joe. We kicked around some things and said, hey, uh, let's try this out and, and see how it works. And so on this, the debut episode of Jock Talk, there's a, little, there's a little background on how me and Joe got together. But the story of the week that we're going to talk about today is some Colorado Buffaloes, 45-42 win over TCU, which all of you know by now. But the big thing is, it's about Deion Sanders, the culture he's established at Colorado, 
and why I believe that this is just the beginning. And ultimately, I don't know if they'll win the national championship, but they'll be competing for championships um, in a few years, I think. Now, I got to tell you, I believe I probably know Dion better than any reporter in the country. I spent last year, as many of you know, in Jackson working on a book. Coach Prime, Deion Sanders in the making of men. It's a pops, it pops or drops October 10th, but you can pre-order it right now. You can check my Twitter feed at JJT underscore journalist, or you can go to Amazon, Walmart, Target, Barnes and Noble, wherever you buy the books that you consume, you can, you can find it there. Um, and Dion gave me full access to the program, if you can believe that. Literally full access. I sat in on quarterback meetings. I sat on with meetings with him and personal and him and players. I sat in on almost every team meeting, lots of position group meetings, lots of coaching staff meetings. He just allowed me to go wherever I wanted to go, talk to whoever I wanted to talk to. And the thing I loved about it, to this day, because I just saw him last week in Boulder, he's never asked me who you wrote about, what you're talking about, any of that. Um, and so I appreciated the access that he gave me. And uh, I think it's going to make for a compelling book uh, and a book that will really give you guys an insight into why he's so successful and what everything he touches turns to gold. So that takes me to the TCU Colorado game. Now, I'm not going to sit there and tell you I thought Colorado would win because I didn't. I thought it would be competitive. The question was always to me was, having been in Boulder that week, all I heard from the coaches was, man, these offensive line, defensive line, we okay, but I don't know if we, how long we can go and how good we'll be. And so to me, that was the question. Because every time I talk to Dion, I say, dog, real talk. I know you got skilled people. What them lines look like? The coaches I talked to last week, I started every conversation with them. I promise y'all, I started every conversation with them saying, hey, dog, I don't care about nothing else but what them lines look like. Because I know y'all got skilled position people. I know you got people who can cover. What them lines look like. And I got a bunch of varying degree, a bunch of varying answers. The thing that they were really concerned about last week, though, was effort. In terms of this, they weren't, they didn't think the players were practicing hard enough. And so um, I was talking to Dion, I believe it was uh, Wednesday, Thursday afternoon, uh, just for a few minutes. And I said, Doug, you've been on them hard about working. Because that morning at the team meeting, check this out, man. He showed up at the team meeting wearing a pair of overalls. This dude with probably 500 custom-made suits in his closet wow. showed up at practice wearing a pair of overalls. And he said, when I wear these overalls, they represent work. And I'm wearing these overalls today because we need to work harder. Yes, and so indeed. he's talking to his, he's, what's that? I said, yes, indeed. Yeah. And so he's talking to his team about that because he's like, anytime you got on overalls, whether you painting a building or fixing a car, it's a work uniform. When you got these overalls on, somebody finna go to work. And so I want y'all to go to work today. Act like your uniform and some overalls. Go to work because we got to put in the work to beat TCU. And then he brought Warren Sapp. He said, I'm going to let Sapp continue this thing. And Sapp was like, work is all I know. 
Work is how I got to the NFL. Work is how I got to the Hall of Fame. Work is why me and Dion are boys. Y'all need to pour the concrete and the foundation for a team. Put that work in and then go build a beautiful, magnificent mansion on top of this foundation that you spent all these hours putting together. So I was kind of soaking that in as I was listening to it. So the theme was work. Now, the previous two weeks, who else did Dion bring in? Terrell Owens. Had him talk to the team. Michael Irvin had him talk to the team. What did all them guys talk about? They all talked about work. Everybody knows Dion, Terrell Owens, Michael Irvin, three of the hardest working practice players you'll ever find. Dion and Michael in practice with the Cowboys, legendary. Dion, Jerry Rice with the 49ers in practice, legendary it got to the point the coaches would tell him in dallas y'all cannot take every rep somebody else got to get some reps in there and so they make them both sit out so the other guys can get some reps because they would take them all and so i say that to say when the game started i was curious would they play as hard as he wanted them to play oh because here's the other thing he told me dog he said so i asked him i said why do you think they're not working hard enough? He said, that's really not the point. Now, follow me with this. He said, they are working harder than they've ever worked before. That's not, that's not a lie. That's the truth. They're working harder than they've ever worked before. But it's not hard enough because it's not to our standard. They're still working to their standard. So I sat there and I tried to marinate on that a minute. I said, so they're working hard. He said, yeah, but they can work harder. They just have to understand that they can work harder. And I said, okay. And here's what he's talking about. And here's why it's important. Dion doesn't want his practices to last more than 90 minutes. This in an era where coaches routinely practice two hours, two and a half hours, two hours, 45 minutes. He wants everything to be fast. So to get the work in, you have to really be moving at practice to get everything done in 90 minutes. You got to sprint from station to station. Every rep's got to be a hard rep because, and Joe, you know this having played at all the different levels of football you did. If the scout team gives the back of, gives the starters a sorry look, that ain't helping nobody. It ain't helping the scout team get better, and it definitely ain't helping the starters prepare for the game. And so he kept talking about every level of the team has got to give every other level of the team the best practice that they can have to prep for the game so that the game is easy. Now, we've all heard great players say this, that the game got to be easy for you if practice is hard. Yep. The harder you make practice, the easier it make game. Yep. Now, is that how you practice? Yep. Is that how you try to play? Yeah. Yeah, that's why you – not to go off on a tangent or nothing, but that's why, you, on that's why you end up finding players that can play because you take a guy that's a running back, put him at defensive end on the scout team. Next thing you know, you can't block him, and you go, why didn't we try him at defensive end? Because he out there playing hard on the scout team, and he, he, he messing up. He disrupting your offense. And next thing you know, hey, you found another guy in the rotation because he's playing hard. You see what I'm saying? That's how you find players. No, you know, I got you, that. You get them to play hard on the scout team, and sometimes a lot of guys get discovered. So, you know, I got moved around a lot in high school like that. And they found a place for me because whenever you stick me somewhere, I'm going to show up. 
And I'm going to make For those of y'all who didn't know, Joe yeah. played for the Sam Houston Texans in Arlington. Yep. But that's Line the thing. Back. That's the thing about um, having a hard, you know having a hard practice. You're right. That's how you find your players, and you want people to play hard, and you want to get the guard frustrated because he got to chase a little guy that he ain't gonna be chasing in the game. You know, them guys wasn't gonna you know a guard or guard or a tackle. If he got to chase a guy who used to play running back and he playing defensive end on the scout team, it makes practice hard because he ain't going to chase that guy in the game. That guy going to be slower. So, yeah, yeah, iron sharp as iron, and sometimes, yeah, you, 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 that happens. So that that was the buildup leading to the game. So we get to the game, and, I'm again, I'm thinking – I don't expect Colorado to win. I expect to be competitive, but I don't expect them to win. And, but then I'm watching the game, and what happens? First thing I'm paying attention to is the trenches. So what happens on the first series? TC go three and out. It don't get no better than that for Colorado because their defense is the softest part of their team. But they instantly get a three and out. They start at their own 27-yard line. And that drive ends with a four-yard touchdown pass from Dylan Edwards, uh, from Shadour Sanders. And you just like, they just drove about five and a half minutes, went 73 yards, 77 yards for a touchdown. They up 7 nothing. It don't get no better than that for Colorado to start the game, to get everybody to start believing what Dion has been talking about all this offseason, which is we can win. Now, you got to understand, you got to understand, Colorado was 1-11 last year, got outscored by an average, an average of 29 points a game. They lost by an average of 29 points a game. They had one player on the first or second team, all Pac-12. He was a senior linebacker. And that's why, Deion Sanders brought in 58 transfers, 70, 80 new players, and the entire team is basically brand new. I think nine scholarship guys remain from last year's 1-11 team that I believe lost five or six games by more than 40 points. So that's the backdrop to saying this is TCU, which advanced to the national championship game. Now they got dug up by Georgia, 65-7. But they still advanced. They lost a lot of key guys from that team. But they got eight starters back. They're at the crib. They ranked 17. They're favored by 20. They're supposed to win. So how does the game start? Three and out. Colorado drives for a touchdown. Now, TCU comes right back. Drive the length of the field. They're about to tie it up. And your boy Chandler Morris throws a pick in the end zone. And now I'm thinking, it's early. It's the first quarter. But I've seen a lot of football in my life. And I'm like, this right here, this right here is how upsets happen. Just like that. And so, um, you know, it, the game kind of settled down after that, went back and forth. But at the end, Colorado drives for a field goal, and they're up 17-14 at halftime, dog. And they get the ball to start the third quarter. And at that point, I'm like, TCU got a problem. Because the spread offense is working. Shador Sanders is carving them up. Travis Hunter's making plays. And the defense is doing just enough to get a stop here and there. 
Now, I got to ask you, uh, I know you're a football guy, but I know Saturday you were having a party at the crib. Did you get to watch any of this first half, any of the game? Well, I was, I was grilling on the back porch, and I looked down, and I saw 14-7. to 7, And I said, my God, they, they winning. And I was, I, was, I was grilling, and my daughter opened the back door, and she said, Dad, you got to come see this. He was jumping up and down. These boys are playing. So I walked in, and I started watching the game. And about 10 minutes later, I realized I still got chicken on the grill. <laughs> so <laughs> I should have took my iPad back there. Yeah, and did, did it have a nice char on it? Yeah, we had it on low. So I'm glad I didn't turn. I was just about, so some, sometimes I get impatient grilling. I was just about to turn it up. I'm glad, I'm glad I didn't. I had it on about 150. So it was cooking nicely. Now, but I had now, to wait watch. Me, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? You got one of the more fancy grills. They got like a temperature gauge on you. I mean, you ain't got no charcoal old school in there. No, you, I got a gas. Man. I'm a gas grill. I'm sorry. Sorry, y'all. I'm a gas grill. Dog, I had you. I mean, I had you pigged as, a, as an all-American Mr. Griller with coal, lighter fluid, you know, the whole shebang. The way, the way you did uh, in the old school growing up, man. No, I'm not. I'm not like that. You know, mm. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. To disappoint. Yeah, I'm sorry. To disappoint. <laughs> <laughs> sorry about that, but. No, I got a temperature gauge in that thing. It's 150. And I'm glad I had it on 150. See, if I'd have had it on 250, then yeah, I would have been, I'd have been either scraping that chicken off, which I ain't going to do, or throwing it away. <laughs> so, yeah, I saved the chicken, saved the links, but that was a great game. It was a great game. Um, so here's the deal, man. Um, at halftime, they come out in the third quarter, they get the ball. It's third and 10, I wait, think. Wait, third and long. Wait, it's 17 what? 14 at half, right? Right, I'm 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 discussing it. We talking about it. I'm saying, okay, is this an adrenaline thing? Where you've seen many teams unranked, they they are ahead of the game, seventeen fourteen, and then they don't play. You know, they don't got nothing left at halftime. You know, I kind of wondered if it was that type of game, if like TCU was playing over their head or something. Because yeah, I'm like you. I want to say I believe, but I ain't believe like that. So, well, but Dion said, "Wait, um, Dion said one one thing. He said we missed two deep balls, right? We missed two deep balls, and so Dion knew what he had when he went in the halftime. No, I, th- I think it was like this. Um, we've all seen enough football to know in in a lot of games that first, especially if you're the underdog and you got the ball, that first drive of the third quarter can really set the tone for the second half." Now, I'm going to rewind with y'all for a minute. Just a rewind, very quick. Go back to the Celebration Bowl last year. Uh, Jackson State, Deion's team, is the heavy favorite to win. They're undefeated. They're playing North Carolina Central. North Carolina Central has controlled the whole first half, and yet Shadur threw a touchdown pass in the first half, and I think that they're up 21-17, something like that at halftime. First drive of the third quarter is their opportunity to seize control of the game. You score a touchdown, you go up 10 or 11, and now you can basically say to North Carolina Central, hey, we finna exert our will on you, and you try to seize control of the game at that moment. And what happened was they came out and they got one first down, then they had to punt. They stopped North Carolina Central, but North Carolina Central picked up like 30-something yards on a fake punt 
on fourth down, scored a touchdown, took the lead. And while the game went back and forth, North Carolina Central eventually won in overtime, that fake punt sequence told them that we here for the long haul. We ain't going nowhere. They might beat us, but we can compete. And if we play good, we can win this game. So fast forward now back to the game against Colorado and TCU. I'm looking for the third quarter to see y'all got the ball. Can you make something happen with this first drive and really take control of the game? And they did. Third and long, uh, Dylan Edwards, a uh, true freshman who had committed to Notre Dame, flipped um, to Colorado because he played for Deion's youth team in Dallas when he was a kid. Uh, He took a screen pass, broke about three tackles, went 75 yards down the sideline, dog. And it's 24-14, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy. Well, the game went back and forth. Um, the rest of the second half, uh, lead changed, I think, five times. And the thing that impressed me, man, was that for a team that, had, that it was their first time ever playing together, they didn't fold whenever adversity hit. Whenever they went behind for the first time, whenever they had to come from behind the second time, they never panicked. They never wavered. They never looked stressed. They never looked uh, like they were worried about it. And to me, that's because they had belief in their coach and belief in their quarterback. Uh, Shadur Sanders, uh, Deion's son, threw 510 yards, uh, four touchdown passes. And the thing I liked most about his game, man, was he always seemed under control uh, against TCU. He never seemed like he was in a hurry. He was never in a rush. He just took what the defense gave him. He took some deep shots. Uh, he spread the ball around and yeah. had 400 yard yeah. receivers. Yeah, he spread and he was it just around. Just in total yeah. control. Yeah, he spread. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. He he spread the ball around. You what you had two guys with 11, 11 catches. Yeah, 400 yard receivers. It was like, who do you cover? If you're trying to get one guy off, then the defense rolls that way. But man, he was reading. 510 yards, and it's like every throw that he threw was where he wanted it to go. You know, you see some quarterbacks Dude. aim the ball, and it's like, was he? who is he throwing to? No, he was trying to hit that guy on that read, and I was I was most impressed by that. No, uh, even if you look at the game-winning touchdown pass where he hits Dylan uh, Edwards on a, on a swing pass, kind of on a swing pass, in the left flat, Mm-hmm. It's a kind of throw where when you hit him in stride, you allow him to outrun the linebacker to the sideline and then cut it up. If you throw the ball behind him and he got to slow down a little bit or turn his body and lose that speed, then the linebacker probably catches him and it's a 10-yard gain. You keep playing. But because the throw was perfect, he was able to turn up the sideline, use his speed, separate, and go score the game-winning touchdown. Um, and so, you know, TCU wins – Forty. I mean, uh, Colorado wins forty-five, forty-two. Uh, well, the way they the everybody's way they, talking about the way they play kind of goes back to what you was talking about about the trenches. The running game was was kind of held up, but this is the greatness of the the coaching staff and Dion to where you see a lot of you see like Travis caught eleven. He probably averaged ten yards a catch. The other guy averaged probably about 10 yards a catch. That's getting the ball out fast. That's getting that out yes. quickly to whoever 
whoever, you know, you got to get it to. Let's get the ball in their hands. If they get five, if they get six, you're going to miss the deep ball because that offensive line ain't settled up front. And on the defensive line, they got gassed in the second half. Plus, the the, the middle linebackers are pretty small. He's pretty small. Uh, that kid is about – Two twenty-five, six foot, two twenty-five, and he, you know, he played well. The the the, the indicator to me when your it makes your front seven or your front five suspect is when your safeties, both of them safeties, almost I think Shador had double. I mean, Shiloh had double-digit tackles, and then Ten. Wood, yeah, Woods had nine. So that's people. That's them coming up, and that's people getting in that secondary. That's them breaking, you know. So. Yeah, that uh, the line is a problem for them, but they they uh, they worked around it. The screen passes, the quick passes. You know how you gonna keep that guy up to up up? How you gonna keep your quarterback upright? Get the ball out of his hand. And it's not no coincidence yeah. that he did some work with Tom Brady. I ain't saying he Tom Brady, but that offense look. You know what I'm saying? Get the ball out. Don't get my guy hit. Keep my was 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 Shador dirty? Did, how many times did he get hit? Yesterday, uh, Saturday, I don't know. He got sacked four times. Maybe yeah. he got hit a couple more times. Other than that, but for the main part, you're right. They kept him upright, kept him uh, kept him clean, and allowed him to uh, to do what he needs to do. Um, so he became a big story out of the game. Uh, a lot of people now say he's a Heisman contender. It's, it's the first week. So it's yes, one he's game. In the conversation. Yeah. yeah, it's one game. But he could be in the conversation after one game. There's no problem with that. Yeah. Uh, Travis Hunter is also in the conversation. Travis Hunter, number one recruit in the nation two years ago, committed to Jackson State in part because why? He really wants to be a two-way player in the NFL. Deion Sanders in 1996 became the first two-way player since Philadelphia's Chuck Bednarik did it in 1960. Bednarik played center and middle linebacker. That kind of makes sense. Deion obviously played wide receiver corner. Travis plays wide receiver corner. Uh, He was hurt last year at Jackson State. Played the first game, missed the next five, and didn't really find a groove till the championship game. He's now completely healthy, and bro, that dude's an impact player, and you can tell. Uh, He's a playmaker, and now listen to me. I promise y'all I'm not exaggerating this. And you let me know what you think, Joe. He has ball skills that remind me of Dez Bryant. He's not big and thick like Dez Bryant. But if you throw it up there and say, go get it, I've seen him time after time after time figure out how to go up and go get it. Yeah, he. Uh, yeah, his ball skills offensively, they pretty good, but – Defensively, defensively, them ball skills are incredible. They more incredible on defense. Um, he well, got he to gonna be like Trayvon Diggs on defense. More like, more, more like where he played the ball like a receiver. More like Dale Carter for the Chiefs back in the day. Boy, he went old school. Yeah, right there. Dale. And look up Dale Carter. Long arms, ball skills, all of that. All of that. Google Dale Carter. Google Dale Carter. Matter of fact. I'm I'm finna text Dion about that. Ask him if Travis reminds him of Dale Carter. Yeah, he's just long like that. All the long corners, Mike Haynes, Dale Carter, guys like that, long arm corner, long arm, you know, some you know, corners come in all sizes. You right. know, you got the the short guys like a Eric Allen or something like that. Guys that are shorter. 
Dion is a long arm guy. He kind of in the middle. What Dion six one? He kind of he yeah, kind of six one one ninety five. Yeah, he kind of in the middle of that, you know. But he got some length to him, and that's the, the interception that he had in when he dove. You know, the the, 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 the pretty much game ceiling interception he had. He was he knows how to use his length. You know what I'm saying? He puts them hands yeah. out, and as I was just like, what an incredible play! Everybody got long. Some people got the. They have the ability or they have the the length, but everybody don't know how to use it. You just feel like he get he like you said with the ball skill, he gets every inch out of his frame when he going for the ball. That's what I think. You know. No, it's right. And he's a playmaker, man. Mm-hmm. Big time players make mm-hmm. big time plays in big moments. Yep. And that's what he did at the game. His interception, uh helped stop a drive in the red zone and uh give Colorado chances to score. Well, what about uh, he the- made a what about the catch about that he missed? What about the no? I'm gonna talk about the catch that he missed on the sideline, where he bobbled the ball, and then he caught it again, but he was already out. Man, that fool's feet was in. He laying on the ground. <laughs> <laughs> Boy, what is? You know what I'm saying? He was on the ground, toes still in. Man, if you can watch that again. I saw that. I played that back like three times. He bobbled the ball. Yeah, he he caught it on control. his huh? He got yeah, great body control. Yeah, he caught, but but you on the ground, and they showed him on the, He's on his back, caught it again, but his feet are still inbound. I'm like, okay, okay. He he earned that letter D, the dog. Yeah, he earned. <laughs> no, nah, no, nah, he he definitely did, and I think he ended up with 11 for 120 or yep. 119, something like that. Yeah. Uh, but he dropped. It's a tough catch, but one he should he I've seen him make before. He dropped a 50 yard apparent 50 yard touchdown pass in the uh, second quarter, I think. And then Shadur in the first quarter just barely underthrew him on a on a when he had a step forward about a forty yard touchdown. So imagine if he had had those and went about thirteen for two hundred two touchdowns and what he did on defense, uh, his world would be going insane right now. Yeah, um, it's, it's I'm 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 not I really don't I know it's not popular, but I don't really like that two way stuff. I don't like that cause. He got, he got, he caught 11 balls. That's the potential for him to get tackled 11 times. Right. You beat him up on the offensive side, how effective is he going to be on the defensive side? And are they going to monitor that? Because if somebody get rough with Travis on one side, on the offensive side, you got to monitor, hey, you with a guy like that, you gonna if he starts getting beat up, he ain't going to say, hey, man, take me out the game, I'm beat up. He gonna want to go back in, so you, you, you might, you might have to say, Travis, you sit this one out. You know I think what I'm saying? That's the uh, that's the beauty of having Dion as your head coach, right? Is he's he's experienced that he's done it physically, mentally, yep. And in his current the way he operates, he is the classic CEO coach, and so he he sees everything, and I I mean this in in all honesty. Uh, like I said, I spent last year with Dion. Dion, as a head coach, likes a very clean sideline. He likes to know everybody who's on the sideline. You know what? You're like, right. You're right. I remember last year, when, well, Travis' first year, he wanted to play. Right. And Dion said, no. He said, you can play, but if I let you play, you ain't going to be that guy. I right. remember Dion saying that. That proves your point right there because Dion was like, I can let him play right now, but he's not going to be. That guy. he gonna be good, but he not gonna be that guy. 
So no, nah, right. he can't. He can't play. No, and yeah. so that's the beauty of having Dion as your coach, and uh, and he sees everything, and so he can see when Travis needs a blow, when Travis is frustrated, when Travis is mentally not right, and he can pull him off, talk to him, and get him back right, uh, because they had that kind of relationship. Yeah, um, and that brings me to this. So when they got up twenty four fourteen, I tweeted out something that said basically, it doesn't matter if they win the game or lose the game. The players and all the coaches now believe that they have arrived. Just like Dion has always believed. He believed from the moment he took the job that he could, he could put a winner out his first year. Very few people, if any, believed it with him. Now, those players believe. And you know this, Joe, as a player, former player. When you believe that you can win or you believe that you can compete against the best in the league or the conference or the country, whatever it may be for the game you got coming up, that's a whole different mindset than I hope we can, I think we can, maybe we can. If they give us some turnovers, maybe we can win. That's different than, oh, we can play. Let's go ball out and see what happens. Um, and that's what those guys have now. And to me, that's what the recruits who looked at that game have. They're like, oh, shit, Colorado, I right. Well, you go back to the work. You go back to what you said about putting in work. Work will never fail you. If you put in the work, it'll never fail you. And what that means is when you lose, you know you put the work in so you had a chance to win. And that go back to believing. You see what I'm saying? Right. That, that's the whole deal right there. If you're working, you got a chance. Because any game that I ever lost, if I lose by 50, well, I knew we never had a chance. But if I lose by two points and we did stupid stuff and we didn't play the best we can – that's the thing that kills you when you know you could have done more. So that's, yeah, him him teaching them to work, teaching them to grind, and they listening because he's selective about who. I mean, he's not going to have nobody on his team that ain't listening. So when he believes, they believe. That's the thing about weeding people out. You know, that's the thing that help you with the transfer portal. He done learn how to identify his type of player and assimilate them. It's, it's, it's the thing that everybody's saying it wouldn't work. Well, he made it work at Jackson State. It ain't like right. this is his first this is his first rodeo. You know, I think, you know, I, when I look at it, I go, well, he know what he want in a player. The transfer portal going to allow him to weed the guy. You don't want to be here? You don't want to compete? Okay, man, nice knowing you. I'll see you later. Hell, if you even tell him that, you know, go ahead. You can leave. Um, I think there's a lot of truth to that, man. And the belief is what I saw. And then to hear him talk about it after the game where he said the same, almost the same thing, like players came up to me after the game one or two at a time, like, Coach, we believe, we believe, we believe, we believe. And so it doesn't mean that they're going undefeated this year. It doesn't mean that they're going to win the Pac-12 this year. What it means is, they should, for the most part, be highly competitive. Um, it means that they'll play an entertaining brand of football. And it means that he's going to be able to recruit the hell out of that thing next year. And the team is only going to get better. Yeah. And so uh, it was a great day for Dion. It was a great day for Colorado. Uh, I was glad to see him have the success that he had because you got to be real, man. There's a lot of people that hate Dion. 
they hate what he represents. They hate that he walks around with swag. They hate they hate his confidence. Uh, but what I love about Dion, because he's my guy, is that he is unapologetically himself. And he don't care whether you like it, you don't like it, you co-sign on it, you don't. He's unapologetically him. And that's really, to me, all you can ask for a person to be. So let me let me throw you a curveball. Go ahead. I sit on that off-speed stuff. Okay. Um, what did you think about his interaction with the reporter that wrote him, that wrote the stuff about him? Did you think that was fair? Did you think that was unnecessary? What was your thoughts on that? Because, you know, the, he was going off on a guy who wrote a bad story. Well, there's a lot of moving parts to that. First off, he was going back and forth with Ed Werder. Okay. Ed Werder is a TV reporter, yep. which means he couldn't have written something that Dion didn't like. Uh, two, I don't believe he was really going after Werder for what he wrote. I believe he's, he was going after Werder because Werder was symbolic of people who doubted him, if that makes sense. Uh, and here's what I feel, man. Uh, because I've been a reporter for so long. It, it just is what it is. When you write things... Reporters can be some of the most critical people on the planet. They can call people all kinds of names and columns. They can be very critical of performances. They can make it very personal. And what I mean is, it's one thing to write, Jacques Taylor's a dumb player. It's another thing to write, Jacques Taylor made a dumb mistake in the game. One is, that's what you did in the game. The other is, this is who you are. And to me, there's a there's a very fine, nuanced difference. And so I was never a guy who took personal shots at players. I always said that was a stupid mistake. That was a dumb play. Uh, you're having a bad season. You're not a bad person. You yeah, just have a you, bad season. With that, you rely on the intelligence of a person to discern the difference. Correct. That's the and problem. And so my point is, reporters say stuff to players all the time. If Dion wants to go off on reporters – or any athlete wants to go off on reporters here and there, you don't like it as the reporter, especially if it's directed at you, but it's just part of the business. Um, and it happens very rarely. And so to me, again, Dion was trying to make a larger point about, look at all the people who, who didn't believe what we could do. Now you got to understand, it ain't a reporter's job to believe in the team. Hold on, hold on. What did you mean when you said Ed couldn't have... Ed is a TV reporter, so Ed couldn't have wrote that. You mean that he was in the he's in the TV no. medium, so he yeah. couldn't have wrote he's, an article? Because Dion correct. said he sifted through the article that he wrote. No, now maybe he confused him with somebody. But yeah. Ed writes. Ed is on TV. He does yeah. TV reports. Yeah. He doesn't yeah. write. Okay. So there's nothing Dion could have read that Ed wrote because Ed doesn't write. Ed's oh, okay. a TV reporter. Okay. okay. And that's why, if you listen to the exchange, I think Ed says, "Well, what did I write?" Because he knows he didn't write anything. Okay. Because he's a TV guy. And that's why, to me, um, and if you look at his expression, Dion was really, okay, like a lot of athletes, there's Dion and then there's primetime. And now you can say there's Dion and there's Coach Prime. That was Coach Prime. Because Dion is really a very quiet guy. Uh, Very quiet. (laughs) Doesn't even talk all that much uh, when he's he's, uh, in his personal life. Uh, but that was Coach Prime putting on a show to say to the world, hey, y'all doubted us. Do you believe in us now? Um, you know, so to me, that's what it was. Um, 
like I said, reporters say things all the time, and reporters are some of the most sensitive people in the world for a group of people who spend their entire career criticizing people. And I've been a reporter, so I understand it. And so sometimes you got you just got to take it. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, so uh, a big week for Colorado, even bigger week for Deion Sanders, Shadur Sanders, Travis Hunter. Uh, can't wait to see how they play against Nebraska after getting loved on all week where they come out with the same focus, the same intensity. Uh, Nebraska and them are about the same type of team to me. Uh, Nebraska's probably got a little better defense. Uh, their offense is not quite um, as explosive as uh, TCU's, I, don't, I wouldn't think. And so they're very big rivals, though. And so it's, this has been the game that's really been the talk of Boulder for a minute. And without looking too far ahead, but I'm going to look ahead, if Colorado can get this one, they should beat Colorado State the next week. That puts them, this is just me talking, this is just your boy. That puts them 3-0, and probably, don't laugh, man, a top 25 team off the hype gearing up for a game against the Oregon Ducks who will be in the top 20. A lot of people got to. A lot of people got to get their butts kicked for them to be top 25 after three weeks. It's a, it's a lot of movement there. Because you oh, if you beat Nebraska, no if you beat Nebraska, who they lose to, Rutgers or somebody? Because nobody had no respect for Nebraska either. Well, Nebraska, I'm going to say Rule is a good coach. So we got tape on the opening week of Colorado. It might not be easy. They could win, but it probably won't be easy as they did for TCU because just based on the adjustments that rule is going to make. Right. Now, that offense, the defensive line, I mean, the offensive line got to play better with the running game. That's that's the thing. So we'll see what happens because I think rule is a pretty good coach. It might be a little tighter. It might not, you know, they might not score 45 because just because now people kind of got an idea of what they want to do what they're capable of. Right. So we'll see. Right. I do like the offense. I do like what Colorado did. They realized the offensive line wasn't doing nothing. So the screen passes, yeah. the swing passes, the all of that stuff, yeah. For a football guy, that was on point for me. I like that. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see what's going on. We'll see what happens. 3-0, and no, top 25. Wait, okay. Okay. Yeah, we'll see, but they got to get past Nebraska uh, this Saturday at eleven. Yeah. Well, that ends the first of many episodes of Jock Talk. Please uh, subscribe, rate, and review. Until next time, for Big Joe and the Big Rig, I'm John Jacques Taylor. Be blessed. We'll talk to you later.